Welcome to the CNS Leadership Institute podcast series where we are discussing valuable lessons learned with leaders throughout the neurosurgical community. I am Dr. Wichu Adagwa, and today I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Stephen Andre to the podcast to share his insights on the topic of strategic planning. Since his early career as a military surgeon, Dr. Andre has been on a mission to improve healthcare in the United States and around the world. Dr. Andre is the CEO of Cygnus AI, a company specializing in artificial intelligence and clinical decision support tools for diagnostic radiology. He is also the founder of the Northstar Healthcare Consulting, which advises large corporations, governments, and an array of mid-sized and small companies that span the healthcare space. Prior to his current roles, Dr. Andre was Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at Healthcare Services Corporation, the nation's largest non-investor-owned health insurance company, which operates as Blue Cross and Blue Shield in five states. At HCSC, Dr. Andra managed a division of over 2,000 employees and was responsible for the strategy and oversight of medical management, pharmacy, policy, quality, value improvement, performance measurement, and strategic communications. Prior to joining HCSC, Dr. Andre served as Senior Vice President Chief Medical Officer at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, where he had clinical operations responsibilities as long as strategy, planning, and quality improvement. Previous to his return to Northwestern, Dr. Andre was appointed by President Obama as Senior Policy Advisor for Health Affairs at the United States Department of Veterans Affairs. He also served at the White House in the Executive Office of the President, at the White House, Dr. Andre was co-chair of the National Science and Technology Council for Health Information Technology as a member of the Federal Information Technology Policy and Standards Committee and as a member of the Implementation Deputy Group for the Affordable Care Act. Dr. Andre is widely respected for his expertise and achievement in medicine, medical policy, healthcare technology, and innovation. He is considered one of the country's leading subject matter experts on healthcare reform and transformation. His keen understanding of healthcare policy, delivery systems, and technology has made him a frequent source of counsel for many of the most influential CEOs, healthcare executives, and policymakers across government and private sectors from across the United States and internationally. This discussion will be moderated by Dr. Ellen Eyre of the CNS Leadership Institute. Dr. Eyre is Neurosurgery Residency Program Director co-director of functional neurosurgery and interim neurology division head for movement disorders at Henry Ford Health Systems in Detroit. In addition, she is clinical associate professor at Wayne State University School of Medicine. She is a CNS executive committee member at large, an ASSFN executive board member, and chair of the joint section for women in neurosurgery. Dr. Eyre would serve as co-chair of the CNS Leadership Institute in 2022. Thank you, Dr. Andre Anair, for sharing your insights with our audience today. Well, welcome everybody who's joining us. Thank you, Steve, so much for taking the time to have this discussion about strategic planning. I wanted to start off by asking you, what do you see as the most essential step in the strategic planning process? Well, Ellen, that's a great question. And I think the most important first step is to be clear in your own mind what your objective is and what defines a successful outcome. For me, uh, success should be, number one, clear to everyone 
and expressed in a way that every stakeholder group and person involved can see themselves and their role in the effort. Uh, you wanna make sure that the outcomes are relevant uh, to everyone in terms of business, clinical care in the case of healthcare and whatever other priorities people may have. Also, you don't wanna to forget to account for the key dependencies in the organization that may be outside of the actual project, but will impact or be impacted by the work that's being done. Uh, because those people can sometimes uh, surprise you and throw a wrench into the gears. And lastly, you want to understand the organizational culture, uh, at what pace it can move towards the goal, and is it, does it have the willingness to go towards that goal? The next step for me is define by what date success will be achieved and how that success will be measured. You know, I, I mentioned uh, just a second ago that you want to make sure that the strategic endpoints and other milestones have meaningful and relevant uh, metrics for business, care, and uh, any other priorities for everybody involved. And everybody needs to benefit. And, and while all the goals are important, the business goals need to be relevant to everyone because, as I like to say, you know, it's not about the money, it's just about the money. If the business goals aren't uh, something that's relevant to every stakeholder and beneficial to them, uh, things often unravel. Uh, and then you want to build the mi milestones that are time bound throughout the project and measurable. And if a milestone is missed, assess why and how to mitigate the slippage. Uh, I've also seen when milestones are missed, people simply re-baseline the timeline. I think that should be avoided if at all possible. And the only time that I would re-baseline is when there's a really good reason informed by uh, practical experience and that the clear new timeline doesn't continue to drift out because then projects drift out. Uh, if milestones are repeatedly missed, I think uh, you need to be ready to end the project. It's better to fail fast, regroup, pull in the lessons learned and try again in a new way than to endlessly pour resources and time to an effort that's not getting you where you want to go. Because this isn't about the effort, it's about uh, the end point. Uh, you know, I always like to say that it's not how many times you beat your wings, it's how far you fly. And so yeah, you wanna make sure that this activity is getting you to a destination and that you're measuring the progress. And one of the ways that I make sure not to uh, go down that slippery slope where you continue pouring you know, good money and time after bad is I like to use the three strikes rule on projects. Uh, if the first milestone is missed, have a mitigation plan and bring that forward uh, to correct the slippage. If the milestone is missed again or you fail to miss the second milestone, assess and restructure how you're doing the project. And if you miss a third one, usually you got to think, am I really doing the right effort in the right way to achieve my strategic goal? Or do, do I need to stop what I'm doing and completely uh, rethink how am I trying to get to my objective? But again, the first thing is be clear where you want to go, what time frame you want to get there, and what are the people, money, and things you need to achieve it? Are you, are you then capable? And is this the right project?
There, there's just so much to unpack there, and I really appreciate your your thoughtful detail on that. As you were talking about, you know, missing milestones and moving timeframes and all that, I can imagine there's been many times that you've seen a strategic plan go awry or go poorly. Um, can you think of a good example of that and what were what happened and what lessons you took from that? Oh boy, do I have examples. You know, it's like I used to say in surgery to the residents, you're gonna to have to work long and hard to find the mistake I haven't made because I've worked long and hard and made a lot of them. Uh, so well, the same thing on strategic planning. Uh, one failure that comes to mind, it, it was a great idea, uh, the Northwestern Health South Spine Center. Uh, this was a joint investment by Northwestern Memorial Hospital and the physical therapy company, Health South. The goal was to grow spine volume for uh, the, all the participants by creating a best-in-class, ideal customer service and patient experience and superior treatment outcomes through a coordinated approach. Boy, how could that go wrong? Those, those are all great you know, goals. And, and you know, that's like motherhood and apple pie. You know, you, you know, we all wanted that, that. It incorporated neurosurgery, orthopedics, physical medicine, physical therapy, and other resources. There was a high-level uh, set of goals that, was, that were clear to everybody, uh, you know, more volume and revenue, you know, uh, best in class. A beautiful center was built. It had infrastructure in place uh, put in by the parent organizations, everything from on-site physical therapy, imaging, administrative support, uh, support a marketing campaign, Neurosurgery and orthopedics co-directed it, uh, and there was a national recruitment for a center manager to bring in a, a terrific manager who would take care of the day-to-day -day operations under the guidance of uh, the two surgeons. That sounds great, right? How could? Uh, well, it went wrong for predictable reasons when you when you sit back and look at it. While everybody agreed on the high-level goals, what was not done was a clear alignment on the key issues needed for long-term stability of the center. Uh, prior to moving forward with the investment resources, uh, that's both the human and economic resources, we didn't do a few things. While there was agreement on the protocols, there was a lack of commitment and accountability to following the protocols. And uh, people really weren't willing to give up a certain level of practice autonomy. As a result, it was impossible to achieve the needed consistency that would really differentiate the center from care in the community, or to show how the results uh, were meaningful uh, in a way that's different from individual practices. Uh, there, the, the clear measurable uh, inter, interim milestones uh, to assess progress really weren't, uh, weren't there. And that resulted in a certain uh, level of drift of, of the effort. Uh, and as a result, management couldn't really be assessed in a granular way on how the progress was going. Also, to be honest, having co-directors uh, allowed everybody to dodge the question of who was in charge. And when there's more than one person in charge, nobody's really in charge or accountable. And most of all, there was a lack of revenue alignment uh, or any sort of revenue sharing between the participants. Everybody was still billing through their own departments, their, their own billing services. And that created a lack of cohesiveness 
in the business model. As a result, this all quickly devolved into a shared space, but practice as usual with orthopedics and neurosurgery and physical medicine, all practicing on their own and uh, in their departments and in their own personal best interest and not the centers. Uh, much of the care slowly filtered back to the respective departments. Uh, stakeholders continue to have their primary identity and salaries determined by their departments. And this just became a big uh, uh, white elephant uh, with uh, just shared space. After all, uh, about two years, both parent organizations couldn't identify any meaningful increase in the resulting revenue. Uh, the funding was pulled, the center closed. Everyone back to, uh, to the internal institutional competition, uh, business as usual. As a result, the market share didn't decrease or increase, it just remained stagnant. To me, that was a pretty spectacular failure of a great opportunity, all for very predictable reasons. So as you look back on that really remarkable experience, were there warning signs early in the planning that you now think of as um, more clear than they were at the time? Yeah, uh, you know, looking back, um, and I've seen this repeated in other efforts, uh, both personally and watching others. And uh, a, a, a really good example is, I think, some of the mistakes made by in health information technology nationally, uh, when you look at it. Everybody uh, will want to focus on the things that they can agree on up front. Uh, you know, so that's things like uh, what's best for patient care. You know, we can all agree on that, you know, at a high level pretty well. And so people focus on that first. I think that's a mistake. I think the first thing you need to do is look at the hard stuff. Uh, and that is almost always the business model. Again, it's, 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 it is really getting the money right. And if you can't get the business model right, if you can't get people aligned on that, uh, you will wind up putting a lot of time and effort into doing protocols and uh, all, the, all the easy things. And then things unravel uh, at the hard stuff. And you wind up having wasted a lot of time and effort and sometimes money. So I, I think whatever the hard stuff is, make sure you can do that first. And that's usually the business models around it. And if you can get that right, you now have a sustainable framework that all the good stuff you wanna do around improving patient care, uh, uh, you know, demonstrating the value of what you're doing will be sustainable. Uh, and, and, and the easy stuff stays easy, the hard stuff stays hard. Do the hard stuff first. That is a great take-home point to start with the hard stuff first. Nobody wants to do that. They don't want to get their quick wins in first. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you, so you get quick wins that unravel. <laughs> <laughs> so I, obviously you've had so many strategic planning um, opportunities and a lot of them are things that really you had to accomplish something and therefore the strategic plan was the path forward. But I feel like in this world, strategic planning has also become a little bit of a, a go-to catchphrase. Like we need to have a plan for almost anything that we do. And um, so all well-intentioned and really great conversations, but sometimes, you know, it never goes anywhere. Um, and so how do you avoid a strategic plan that ends up just 
being a, a document rather than an action plan. Yeah, yeah, as, as most of them wind up being. Uh, the way, uh, if you know me at all, you know I have a long military history. And, and so um, I'll, I'll pivot to Sun Tzu on this. And Sun Tzu said, uh, every war is won or lost before it is ever fought. And I think that's true for strategic planning. Uh, A strategic plan will either be a document that guides you to a successful implementation and outcome, or it will be a book report that sits on a shelf and never is looked at again, based on what you do before you start the plan. And that is uh, the things I mentioned at the beginning. Make sure you know exactly what it is you want to accomplish, why you want want to accomplish it, and what will be a successful outcome. Make sure that everybody involved sees what is going to be important to them, sees themselves in the implementation and understands uh, what is expected of them and what they're going to benefit from it. Make sure that the organization has the will uh, to not only commit resources but to do the hard things uh, around this. And so it's, it's having that clarity going in and then setting up a practical implementation plan that has those measurable milestones so you don't just start uh, drifting and beating your wings feverishly and getting nowhere. Wonderful. Thank you so incredibly much for your time and your invaluable insights based on your depth and wealth of experience. Well, it's, it's a pleasure. You know, uh, as I've said, you know, about it's like surgery, right? You have to work long and hard to find the mistake I haven't made. Uh, and, and so there's very little good about getting older, but one of them is you've learned a lot of lessons and, and you get to pass them on. And sometimes people even listen. <laughs>